The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How? Are you now? Um, me? I'm glad I asked. Uh, I'm, I'm doing considerably better than I was after last game. I'm, I'm considerably less pissed off than I was after last game. Your Montreal Canadiens win over the Nashville Predators by a score of 6-3 to three on home ice. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 20. I can't believe we're already at episode 20 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and yes, I am considerably less pissed off than I was after last game. Uh, maybe still a little bit pissed off, but you know, a little bit pissed off is probably the story of this season, uh, being a Habs fan. Uh, but you know, hard to be pissed off about a 6-3 to win, right? Uh, it definitely wasn't perfect, and we're going to get to that, but uh, you know, Six to three. They scored six goals and they won. Uh, very hard to necessarily complain about the overall result. So let's get into it. Uh, first period was bad. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The first period was not looking good. Samuel Montembeau uh, in net really kind of saved him in that period. They were getting out chance. They were getting out shot. Um, and without him, they could have been easily down going out of the first period. Uh, but his exploits paid off. Obviously, he held them in it. And, you know, they, they struck first. Great play on a zone entry from Brendan Gallagher, kind of going in backwards. Uh, puck gets down low to Arturi Lekkonen, right in front of the net. And he has missed every scoring chance that he's had this season. But he bangs that one in in tight, makes it one nothing for the Habs. Rough first period, but thank Samuel Montembeau, they get out of it with a one nothing lead. And in the second period, the Habs come out looking like a completely different team, right? Looking much better. Less than two minutes in, Jonathan Drouin creates a turnover at his own blue line. Um, they, he gets it into the offensive zone. Uh, UC Saros, he's trying to dump it out. Banks off the glass. Josh Anderson comes in, uh, skates off to the left, finds Christian Dvorak on the right side. He hammers it in, makes it 2 nothing for the Habs. Habs get a power play not long after that. Beautiful tic-tac-toe play pretty early on in that power play from Tyler Toffoli up to Jonathan Drouin near the point. He slides it directly to Brandon Gallagher, who gets a gimme tap-in in front of the net to make it 3-0. Midway through the period, the Habs hem the Predators in their own zone for a good minute, maybe longer, with the third line. At that point, they, they tried a few different line combinations on the night, but at that point, they were using um, Jake Evans with Brandon Gallagher and Arturi Lekkonen. And then Ryan Paling jumps on because they're trying to like execute a change in the offensive zone with possession. That's how long they hem them in for. Ryan Paling jumps on, takes a pass from Chris Weidman and snipes from the left side to make it 4 nothing. Seconds later, and I mean seconds later, like 37 seconds later, I think, Paling line still out. Uh, they tried one of their famous flip passes from their own zone. Tyler Toffoli almost gets a breakaway from the flip pass, but it doesn't work. So he turns and just sets it up, just leaves it on a platter 
for Ryan Paling. Ryan Paling with his second of the night is an absolute rocket. Just stepped into it. 5 nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. And that is how the second period would end. Uh, like I said, a much different team uh, on the Montreal side in the second period. They looked great. And uh, they jumped out to a huge lead. And then they almost blew it <laughs> in the third period. Uh, they almost blew it. Um, Matt Shine, he walks in about seven minutes in and snipes one to make it 5-1. And then the officials decide they're going to try to officiate themselves a comeback for some reason. Uh, absolute bullshit call on Arturi Lekkonen for a clean hit right after he got high-sticked in the face and they didn't call the high-stick even though he was bleeding. Uh, but anyways, Matt Shine again. Scores on the power play, makes it 5-2. to two. And then Matt Deshane one more time, just over three minutes to play, makes it 5-3, to three. right? So at this point, you're wondering, are they really going to blow a 5 nothing lead in the third period? The answer, my friends, is no. Tyler Toffoli scores on an empty netter, uh, tells everybody to go home. The score is 6-3 to three for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, honestly, again, a much better effort than their last outing against the Penguins, that's for sure. And it leaves me with quite a bit to talk about. Um, honestly, the first thing I want to get to, uh, let's just go with the positives first, all right? Um, player of the game, tempted to go with Samuel Montembeau, but I'm going with Ryan Paling. Uh, two goals, two absolutely beautiful shots. Beautiful shots. Um, you're, you're not going to get production like that from your fourth-line center all the time, that's for sure. But like I've been saying since he got brought up, I, I really think... That, you know, this season, where they're at right now, they need to be at a point of evaluating for the future. And I think he has cemented himself a position in this lineup. I don't think he should be going anywhere. I, I think that they should be giving him as many minutes as they possibly can, you know, given the circumstances and given where he is in the lineup for the rest of the season. I don't think they should be sitting him for anyone, right? This is a young centerman that could <coughs> potentially be an answer for them moving forward at the center position. And let's face it, they don't have a ton of depth at that position so this is great news for them seeing the way he's been playing and now seeing him break through with with two goals in one game who knows right um he he could only get better from here he was doing really well in Laval he deserved the call up and uh I'm excited about him honestly I'm excited if if he takes a step forward this season it could be uh, huge for this team huge and then on the other end, the, the guy that I almost wanted to give it to Samuel Montembeau he played a magnificent first period I mean, a little bit shaky in the third, but let's face it, the officials were kind of helping out the Predators a little bit, but he held them in that game. We know this team has a problem when they have to play from behind. They really don't seem to handle that well whatsoever. He made sure that that wasn't the case because it could have easily been two or three to one after the first period if he wasn't making the saves that he made. So he really kept them in it. Um, good on him. Right, and you know, had had they been able to hold on a little bit, he could have been the first Quebecois goaltender to get a shutout in Montreal in a Habs uniform since Jose Theodore in like 2003 or something. I don't remember what the date was. They said it on TVA, of course, but um, anyways, pretty solid effort from him all around. Um, also, who else had a really good game? Um, I felt Jonathan Drouin had a really good game. Uh, Josh Anderson played pretty well. Josh Anderson actually beat. 15 different shades of shit out of Mathieu Olivier at the end of the second period. They got into a fight and he was chucking them. Like, Josh Anderson is a fast player. His hands are pretty damn fast, too. That was that was a very one-sided fight. 
um, but it, it like he just he, he was on display you know he was showing some of his speed uh, he obviously had a really nice pass on the Christian Dvorak goal um, and that line still that trio of Drouin Anderson and Dvorak they they seem to have some legitimate promise like I, 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 it's unfortunate that the team has to be as bad as they are this year because I think if they had the right personnel, like if there were some adjustments made to the overall lineup, I think that could be a really good second line. I, I honestly do, but I think the team around them needs a little bit more work before they can really get to being what they could be. Now on to the, uh, the the less positive stuff uh, because it, again it was not perfect right as, as six three wins go it was not ideal right obviously hard to complain about a six to three win but um, here's my complaint uh, Dominique Cham made the decision to go with seven defensemen and um, I was perplexed by that from the beginning I honestly thought that Chris Weidman was going to be lining up at forward but he didn't. Uh, he was le- legitimately running a lineup with seven defensemen, and they looked like a mess defensively for the entire first period and a lot of the third period. Now, the third period, I could understand that a little bit. You're up 5 nothing. You're not necessarily trying to play <clears throat> offensively. So, And also, as I mentioned, the officials, some questionable officiating in the third period, to say the least. But if you just look at the first period, right, that game could have gotten out of hand if not for Montembeau. Um, I don't understand, like, you know, what, even if he had nine defensemen, it seems like they still wouldn't be able to figure out proper defensive zone coverage, right? It's not ideal. You can't expect to have games like that from your goaltender every time keeping you in the game and allowing that second period to happen. Again, the second period, much, much better. So I don't know what adjustments he made in the, uh, in the room in between the two periods, but they, they worked. So I'll give him that. I still think that configuration with seven defensemen is weird. I'm not a big fan, and I think they need to honestly take a look at their defensive zone coverage and figure that out, and uh, and definitely don't continue to go into games with seven defensemen. That being said, um, from a coaching aspect, I'd say this was one of the better games. I mean, like I said, bad first period, but they they came out in the second and did much better. I'm, I'm impressed by that, right? At least they took advantage of that good goaltending in the first period, and they, they turned it into a win. So uh, on that alone, I would say it was one of the better efforts. You all, anybody who's been listening to this podcast, knows my opinion on the coaching and what needs to happen there as far as I'm concerned, but this is not the game for me to launch into a diatribe about that. Uh, I'm just going to say, listen, it was a good game. It could have been better, but, I mean, you know, you won 6-3, so... I should probably shut up, right? Um, the other thing I want to talk about before I end the podcast today, I'm already over 10 minutes, so I'm, I'm getting close to the end here, but I have to talk about uh, Marc Bergevin's interview with Eric Engels. Um, he obviously, he was, he's been diagnosed with COVID, and it sounds from what Engels was saying that he's been struggling with some pretty rough symptoms. So first and foremost, I want to say, um, despite everything I've said about Bergevin this season, je le souhaite au moins de guérir rapidement du COVID. Um, I hope he has a very speedy recovery. Obviously, health comes before hockey. It's only hockey. They're only games. This is only a team that I love. So obviously, that's why I'm so passionate and so you know angry at him at times. Um, but honestly, I, I really hope that he recovers soon. 
But that being said, you know, looking at that interview, I don't see the direction from him. It honestly sounds like he's willing to just do nothing for the remainder of the season, in which case, again, I go back to why are we waiting until the end of the season to do something? He basically said, he said, number one, I'm not going to mortgage the future. All right. I agree with that 100%. Don't. You know, this team appears well beyond saving and making the playoffs with. So definitely don't go and mortgage the future to try and buy players that are going to help you out and get into the playoffs. It doesn't seem likely. But he also said, um, and I'm quickly trying to pull up the quote on that, but he actually said, basically, I'm also not going to try to stack up any picks. And that I don't understand whatsoever. Like, I understand not just making a trade for the sake of making a trade, which he talked about in the interview, but I, I don't understand the concept of not going for, for for draft picks when your team is clearly a basement dweller. His exact quote, and now I have it. Yeah, but I'm not going to manage to have the team uh, get the best draft picks. The draft is unpredictable. You could look at through past drafts where the first overall is not as good as the fourth pick overall. That's the business we're in. Unless there is, uh, there's a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid, which there's some probably every 10 years, you don't manage that way. And we don't even have 20 games played, so there's a lot of hockey left in front of us. We have to play better. Um, I don't think you see where your team is at. Like here, he, let's let's give him this. He's correct. Sidney Crosby's and Connor McDavid's, they come around once every 10 years if you're lucky, right? And even if you get the first overall pick, you're not guaranteed a very good player. Now Yakupov comes to mind, right? The Oilers thought they were getting a great one. Not so much, right? But that being said, most people in the know have said that this upcoming draft is going to be one of the better ones that we've seen, right? So why wouldn't you want to be stacking picks? If you're actually going to be around to make those picks, you would want to stack those picks, would you not? So this sounds like the words of somebody who's not long for the team, either by his own doing or by Molson's doing. I don't know. You all know what, I've, what I think because I've, I've said it multiple times this year already. I said it multiple times in the past too. I even said it last year actually uh, before the run happened and then I quieted down because of course I was sitting there trying to enjoy the run like most people. But, you know, sitting there and saying I'm, I'm not going to make moves to try and improve the team right now because I don't want to mortgage the future. Again, I agree with that. But also saying I'm not going to stack draft picks because uh, you don't tank. Tanking is, is ridiculous. Like I understand, again, the players aren't going to purposely lose games and you don't want to purposely lose games either. But stacking draft picks, saying that stacking draft picks is like a crapshoot and saying it's unpredictable, yeah, it can be. But I mean, it, it is technically also part of your job to build a staff that's able to, to predict success in the draft and and pick the right players i don't know um i just i i I look at that interview and it it sounded to me like somebody who's not long for the team and i don't know if that'll be again by his doing or by molson's doing but i guess we'll find out at the end of the day i don't want to end it on a negative note uh the team won six to three right it's good news ryan paling looking like a legitimate nhl player samuel montambo great goaltending jonathan drouin Looks like he's back from his injury, and look like he's doing better than ever. Josh Anderson throwing hands, getting intense. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, Alexander Romanov actually took Michael McCarron out against the boards, ragdolled him. Oh, didn't ragdoll him. He threw him around. All right, threw him into the boards. Um, I mean, there's 
there, there was a lot to like about that game. There's a lot to not like. But overall, you, you got to look at that game and say, hey, one of the better ones we've seen this season, right? If they can play like that every single game from here on out, um, you know, they, they might lose some games like, you know, they might lose some games 6-3, to three, right? But at least they'll be entertaining. And I think that's kind of the key as fans is we, we want to be entertained. We want to at least see a team that's, that's fun to watch, which they haven't been for a lot of the games this season. This game was fun to watch. So I'll leave it there. Uh, we are running today. Whoa, 16 minutes. Uh, I really rambled on this time. Sorry, guys. Uh, so vraiment une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I am on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will be back. So, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.